Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. All right, thanks for joining us tonight. I've been being sarcastic. Well, not sarcastic because it's true, but I've been mocking the length of baseball playoff games. Uh, I guess today's game took two hours and 28 minutes. That's unbelievable. That's what it should be. Yeah, absolutely. It was entertaining, too. I mean, the dude with the red beard. Turner. Uh, I mean, that's every every kid in L.A. Captain is gonna, Red Beard. That's what he's, everyone's going to be for Halloween. They should just put a big red beard on, some long hair, and a Dodger jersey. And you're laughing. It is the Penguins beating the Oilers 2-1 in overtime. Phil Kessel got the game winner. McDavid's fourth of the season was the only goal for Edmonton. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. 854-780-496-0063. We'll welcome Jonathan to the show. Go ahead, Jonathan. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, guys. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Um, Maroon, McDavid, and Dreisaitl together. Uh, we got to get some goals. I bet you those three guys together would put out two, two and a half goals a game and have the rest of the guys, the rest of the order, trying to keep the other guys off the scoreboard. And then like, throughout the game, if we get like two, two and a half, from these guys semi-consistently then everything else would just kind of ease you know together and well what do you think well i know rob agrees with you and i mean i guess if you look at tonight they they only played about five shifts together and they got a goal so that's a pretty good person i don't even know if it well yeah would have been about five shifts probably last night or nine minutes yeah and uh i I know putting so much power with like all of these players are fantastic it would take away from the other line but on, from a defensive perspective, just to try to keep the other guys off the scoreboard, which we've been doing the last few games. Yeah, no, the the Oilers have uh, the Oilers have played well enough in their last three games to come home from this road trip three and zero. They really did. They, they played very good hockey. Uh, unlucky, they didn't get the the bounces in yeah. front offensively. But if they play the way they did these last three games, if they do that over an eighty-two games schedule, they're going to have a very successful record. The problem, and Reed pointed out, the problem was the way they played leading into this. But if this is how they've turned the corner and they're going to start playing this way on a consistent basis, they are not going to miss the open nets. The goalies aren't always going to stand on their head. They aren't always going to get the pucks bouncing in the wrong direction. Eventually, those will go in the net for them, and they'll win hockey games more than they'll lose. So, I mean, I, I'm taking this. Yeah, I'm taking this as a very positive road trip that they just came back from. Okay, well, uh, nice chat with you guys. Have a good night. Yep, thanks, Jonathan. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Before we go back to the phones, a guy who almost scored tonight. He was robbed by Matt Murray. Here's Mark Letestu. Yeah, it was, it was a, hopefully it was exciting. You know, playing it was, seemed like there was a lot of chances. Uh, but I thought that was as well a played game as we've had this year. Uh, we need a little bit more finish around the net, some of the opportunities, but... It's a good hockey game, uh, and if we continue to play that way, uh, eventually we're going to get some results. You just tip your hat at the, the goaltender and the defenseman. Like it seemed like everyone was getting sticks, bodies on pucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only speak for you know my opportunity there. I'm, I'm going to make that same shot a hundred times. Uh, you got to sometimes give the, the goalie credit for the desperation there. Uh, he comes up with a big save, but uh, we had a lot of chances around the net where we, we need to we need some finish uh, tonight. There's opportunities for it, and uh, we didn't get it done. That paddle save, is that the one you got? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, that was a remarkable save by Matt Murray in the second period. Kept it scoreless. Penguins win 2-1 in overtime. That's Mark Letestu. All right, we have Tristan on line six. Tristan, you're on with Robin Reed. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. That's good to hear. I got a couple uh, non-traditional thoughts here, one being with Yamamoto. I don't know how much he's going to play onto the team as the team is going to let their play will dictate whether or not he makes it. Because if I look at scoring opportunities and, and wingers that have actually posed an offensive threat, I can really only think of Maroon that's been more successful than him. Now, granted, he hasn't scored, but he's definitely generated a lot of opportunities. Yep, good, great point. That's, that's a potential possibility where the other players will actually dictate whether or not he makes the team because you have to have some secondary scoring on that wing. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you totally. I, I don't know, outside of Maroon, another player that has created as much as Yamamoto. And I think Todd McClellan has, has made uh, comments towards that, that the way he has played, the way he's created. I mean, tonight he actually had a, a great play late in the third period where he came down one-on-one with some speed, made a little cut, went across, and got a good shot on net, which might have been one of the Oilers' best scoring chances in the third period. So, yeah, I, uh, if you're basing it just solely on the the play of the player, Yamamoto is on this team. If you're just basing it on does he deserve here by the the way he has played through preseason, through training camp, through the regular season, he has outplayed just about every other winger. But they're looking at other things as well. So the decision will be made in a week, I would imagine, and you're either going to see him back in Spokane or you're going to see him for a long duration. Yeah, exactly. And then my second point would be on on the three-on-three there. With having Lucic out there, I'm not terribly against it, but my viewpoint is you know that that second pairing is going to be Kessel and Malkin. Why would you not send out a pairing and basically just have the mentality of which isn't very traditional, but just shut them down, don't let them score, don't give up anything. And then when that third pairing comes out, that's when you kind of take an offensive point because I don't think you can put any two sun together that's going to compete with Kessel and Malkin when you have Dreisaitl and McDavid taking up with, with Crosby. Yeah, I mean, that's what Reed and I talked about is yeah, everyone in the world knows that it's Kessel and Malkin. I mean, that is, there's no secret. That's who's coming out next. Nugent Hopkins. Definitely would have Nugent. Yeah, Nugent is, is an automatic. He, he, is, he is their shutdown centerman. And then you find someone else. And to me, it's someone with speed. It's someone that's got to have speed because three-on-three three turns into a, a foot race. One way and then the other. And then one way and the other. So you've got to be able to have a guy that can transition back towards your own zone if something doesn't work out. And that's, to, to me, a Yamamoto, a Strone, and someone else pointed out a Kajula. All three different, those guys have the capability of being able to get back in the back check quick enough. Because in the, in, in the end, it was Kessel won a foot race. And he's going to win that foot race against Lucic every time because that's what he's made for. Penguins take it 2-1 in OT. Thanks for the call, Tristan. We got several people on hold. Everybody's getting in. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. So yeah, those numbers, if you missed them earlier, on this road trip, Cam Talbot has a 9.49 save percentage. But the Oilers' shooting percentage, 4.16. So Talbot basically stops 95% of the shots he faces, and uh, the Oilers score on basically 4% of the shots they take. 
and that's why they go one, one and one instead of maybe two and one or even three and zero. I wonder what the league what is the league average for shooting percentage? Well, it's usually around uh, nine, right? Because eight or like eight point eight. Because the the league average save percentage recently has been between nine fifteen and nine twenty. So okay. Yeah. So then, if you factor in uh, empty net goals, the shooting percentage is usually around. So they're shooting half as good as they should be. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, so then double their goals and they have three wins on the road trip. Yeah. Oilers having a tough time scoring, much better defending, much better goaltending, but they lose 2-1 in overtime to the Penguins tonight. McDavid had the only Oilers goal of the game. He tied it late in the third with a wrist shot over Matt Murray's glove. Maroon and Clefbaum had the assist. Thanks for joining us, 9.07, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Oilers start a five-game homestand against the Dallas Stars on Thursday night. We have Robert on the line. Robert, thanks for calling. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I just um, want a couple of comments here, and I was just going to say that, um, first off, I don't think there's a need for any panic with the Oiler Nation because, you know, the injuries, and I think Drysdale coming back or kind of hopefully help the situation. And the other thing I was going to comment on is... Um, Regarding Drysidle and McDavid being on the same line or Drysidle doing his own. And I understand something uh, Rob was saying about he thinks he'd be playing all, all the time together. And I think that um, there was a comment made earlier about, well, we don't have a Kessel and we don't have this type of a winger. But do you actually um, create a winger with experience and a goal scorer? Without a center, like I love Ryan Newton Hopkins, but he's he's like a defensive guy. His faceoff is getting better, and I love him in that role. But you need a center to be able to be creative with a winger and a winger. So it's egg and chicken, chicken and the egg. What do you guys think? I mean, seriously, you, when they when they split up Messi and Gretzky, Gretz and Messier back in the '80s, which I was a season ticket holder back then. I live in BC now, but. I love the Oilers, but they, that's when they really became the Oilers of the '80s when they took those two up. So you want, so you want, so you want Drysaddle to be is is a center, Robert? Is that my? Yeah, yeah. And who 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 do you put on his wing to score? Well, that's my question. Is I mean, obviously, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. Moto should be going down for another year. Okay. Jarvie, come up as yeah, you guys... not doing anything in the minors right now. Oh, I, eventually I said. Okay. And you don't wingers, but... So, obviously, you put Dreisaitl and um, McDavid together when it's one nothing or 2-1 in different situations in the game, but you have to be a two-trick pony, so to speak, um, to go... And I'm asking your opinions on that. Like, it's kind of... Well, my, my, opinion, my opinion is I'd have Drysaddle playing with McDavid until I found guys that I could put on two different lines. I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins has the capability of being a second-line center. Uh, but again, he needs someone to put on his line that can, that can produce. And I, I, I just don't see it. The Oilers are not deep on the wings. They're not. They've got guys that are coming up that are young, like a Yamamoto and hopefully a Pugliarvi, that are going to eventually be goal scorers in the National Hockey League. But right now, like a Ryan Strom has not been doing what they needed him to do. 
Milan Lucic has not produced five on five yet this year. So those are two big names. Those are supposed to be top six forwards. And they're not getting the production out of those guys. So that's why, to me, I have Drysettle playing with McDavid until they can find somebody who can play with McDavid and being consistent. Welcome, Al, to the show. Hi, Al. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well. Good. Okay, I got two of these questions leading to themselves. Uh, what's the record right now? Two, five, and one? What was it at this time last year? Seven and one, baby. Okay, so they got off to a good start last year. Now, the second question is uh, the changes that they had on their team last year to this year. Well, there's about three or four, correct? Yeah, there's not. I mean, Secker is hurt, but they but all the six defensemen they have were here last year. Uh, obviously, Eberle is out for Strom. Uh, basically, Jokinen replaced Pouliot, if you want to look at it that way. Yep. Okay, so did they improve their club? Did they have the, uh, these uh, younger guys? I know they're quicker, faster, but, you know, Eberle and Benoit had the experience up and down the wings. So they're 7-1 last year. Now they're, at this time, their record. Did they improve their club enough to be where they're at? Well, I, I think part of the problem this year is they played four games without Dreisaitl, five games without Kajula, and they played seven games without Sekra. They've had inferior goaltending at the beginning of the season. Last year they started, they had rock-solid goaltending, and they had a healthy lineup. So it's hard to compare last year and this year just based on Pouliot and Eberle and Jokinen and Strom. I think there was other factors that are in play. I think Eberle is a better player than Strom right now. I think Pouliot and Jokinen are, to me, they're a wash because I, I think Pouliot hurt most nights more than he helped last year. Okay, now if they win the next five, then they'll make it. They'll be six, five, and one. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they'd be seven, five, and one okay. if they won okay. the next okay. five. Okay, yeah. so how's their division looking? Like, is there someone taking off on that? I think LA, right? Yeah, Vegas and LA. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that's it. I just want to see where they're at, uh, and uh, a big turnaround, and we should be back in there. Yeah, appreciate it all for sure. I mean, and I mean that's the thing. Like, the they weren't going to start seven and one. Right, so the the chances are was that if you compared the eight game performance, it was mm-hmm. going to be worse. Now it happens to be much worse, and that and that this is my concern. I, I do think they're going to have a run where they can win yep. nine, no, nine out of fifteen yep. or thirteen out of twenty, yep. and they look a lot better. Or they'll play some slumping teams, and and I mean then they really and they are not they don't have the record they do because of bad luck. But they haven't scored that goal that goes in off someone's butt or hits the goalie in the head and goes in. You know, they'll get they'll get a bounce or a couple in a game. But I, I, I the thing that does worry me, and Sirius Gord called in last game and brought this up, uh, I mean, you're playing kind of uphill, and you need those 41, 42 wins, 43, to make sure you're in the playoffs. I mean, you worry, well, could they play better, and then but they only get to 38 or 39, and they're a point or two out at the end of the year. That does worry me a little. Well, it does. I mean, the points at the beginning of the season mean just as much as the points at the end of the year, and it's better to be the one being chased than chasing. It'd be nice to, to have the ability to, to rest players instead of having to play guys injured at certain times during the end of the year because you can't afford to, to lose a game, to, for Talbot to get a rest. But you can't. Now we got to play him 12 straight because we have to win 12 straight to make the playoffs. I don't think we're in that situation yet. But the Oilers need to start putting some wins together. They're going to get a good opportunity here coming on home ice. If they play the way they did on the road on home ice, I have a feel they're going to have a very nice homestand. Brent, what's on your mind tonight? 
Hi, Brent. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Brent. Yeah, I was looking at, uh, I've been listening to every game and watching every game, and uh, I knew the goaltending would bounce back. I didn't have that much uh, problem with our defense, even though everybody was whining about it a little bit for a while there. But at the same time, uh, our forwards, I, I think that uh, McClellan is a good coach, but uh, Torelli, he didn't really give us the forwards that we needed. Brad Malone has looked really good in what I've seen him. But uh, Ryan Strom has been a massive disappointment. Uh, Jokinen, he, the list goes on and on. Then you got uh, Slepyshev, Packerine, and uh, Kara. None of these guys have been performing. Yamamoto's in our top line, and that, uh, I think, gives us cause for concern. Uh, I was just wondering from you guys what you thought about the job Chirelli's done because I don't think he's armed McCullen with uh, a lineup that we can that we can win with especially being that uh, this is the last year that we don't have to pay twelve and a half million dollars for McDavid so hopefully we were able to win a little bit this year and then scale back after that he's just trying to give everybody a chance to, to succeed but Maroon's not going to have another career year. Lucic is going to be average as usual. Nuge might come back a little bit, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of career years last year, and I think that uh, Chirelli's just trying to ride the cheap train and hope that something comes up when he doesn't have to spend. He doesn't have to spend money until next year. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Brent. Well, I mean, look, yeah, sure. Forward-wise, that uh, that was going to be a question mark going into the season. I mean, I guess you can go, but you'd have to go back and look back at, at every move over the summer and all the players who were, who were available. Well, I, I think what they were doing is they, they brought in Strom. I mean, that was a trade. I mean, they were going to move Everly out because of the contract. Yep. They bring in Strom. they got to give him a fair chance to see what he is capable of doing. And then you have Pooley Yarvey, who I'm sure they thought was going to start the season here. Everyone did. And he didn't produce and, and be the player that they needed him to be yet. So, you, But you had to give those guys an opportunity before you started bringing wholesale changes. Now, I do believe that the team that the Oilers have right now will not be the exact same team that they have in March. I think they will watch where this team goes over a while. They'll see what their deficiencies are and then they'll start looking around the league. But to get top Wingers, say say that's wingers that you want to get a top winger or two. Well, and it would be. Yeah, and you would you would have to give up something quite significant to get that. Well, where do the Oilers have depth that they can get rid of, that they can bring in wingers? I mean, they don't have depth on defense that's going to get them a top winger right now. They don't have depth in goal because outside of Talbot, you have an unproven backup in Bressois. And they, the only thing they have depth at is center, and now all of a sudden it's Nugent Hopkins. And what if you trade him, well, now you're weak at the center spot right. again. Right, and we're getting way ahead of yes, ourselves. Yes, absolutely. We won't, spend, we won't spend too much time on this, but perhaps this is the year they trade a prospect or a draft pick. Mm. Could Bear, Jones, Lalesia, Simpson... But are they going to bring you a top winger? No. Uh, if he's a UFA at the end of the year, you could get a decent a rental. decent rental, but that's, that's not what, a rental. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm talking about a rental. Yes, and not until March. So yeah, so that wasn't going to happen at the beginning of the season. Robert on line three. Go ahead, Robert. Hi, Reed. Hi, Rob. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Now I have a uh, I have a couple thoughts tonight. Obviously, I mean, I think my my first one would be, you know, on, you know, on uh, quite a bit of callers have said, you know, on a, not a bad road trip, 
You know, the, the defense was a lot better. Sam Talbot was back to the way he was most of last year. Just again, like you guys said, they just they didn't they didn't get the they didn't didn't get the bounces that they were getting a lot of a lot of, of last year. Yeah, you're right. The they they were snake bitten tonight, especially there was, I mean there well, was. Well, they were Murray bitten. Yeah, they were Murray bitten. <laughs> oh, well, and, and again, there was a number of great scoring chances taken away by diving defensemen. Um, Oli Matta saved a couple, couple goals. goals himself. Uh, there was the one that Cole dove across head first across the crease to block something. So give them credit too, and that's that's a team that knows how to win. The Pittsburgh Penguins on their defense, especially last year in the playoffs. With Latang out, their defense was a no-name defense. It was a lot of guys they picked up from other teams that the other teams didn't want. Yet they won a Stanley Cup, and they were a hungry team. So this is a very hungry team that knows how to win hockey games in any different type of style. And this no-name defense tonight made a bunch of huge plays that added to the great play by their goaltender. And they played with five D-men most of the night. No. Schultz left about three-quarters of the way through the first period. Penguins win 2-1 in overtime. Couple more calls, but first the guy who got the only Oilers goal tonight, Connor McDavid. Yes and no. Um, you know, you're happy you're getting the chances as a team, and you're not happy that you're not scoring them. You know, we're missing flat-out open nets, and um, it's costing us. What, what do you see as the reason for that? I mean, your team, you didn't run into this last year. It seemed like you got a lot of timely goals at different points from different guys. Well, we went through it a little bit last year, uh, you know, later in the season, but um, we just got to relax, um, just calm down. I mean, we're getting these chances in front of the net that should be automatic, and uh, we're not scoring them, um, myself included. So um, we got to get better in that area. Tops to stand on his head. Our defense are playing great. Forward's got to be better. But you don't look at the other team and say, or the other goalie, and say, "Hey, he just played a great game. It's bigger than that for you." Yeah, I mean, you look at the save he makes in the second period. I mean, with his stick on test, um, you know, that's not much you can do there. Test shoots as hard as he could, gets all of it, puts it right, you know, in the back of the net, and he just gets a stick in front of it. Uh, you know, we look at a few other chances where you know, we can have uncontested shots in front that you know, the goalie's not even in the net, and we're just missing. So. Um, that's way it goes sometimes, but we'll bounce back. Okay, we'll do coach at the- All right, that's Connor McDavid, fourth goal of the season tonight. He leads the Oilers with nine points in eight games. Penguins take this one 2-1 in overtime. These two teams are going to play again, by the way, next Wednesday at Rogers Place. Jed on line four. Jed, welcome to the show. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey, Rob. Good day. Uh, How are you? question for you. When I seen Yak, when he started to do what he did to perturb people, it's what I see in Strom. He doesn't cut to the middle of the ice. He's lazy on the puck, and he just sort of goes for that la-di-da skate after he's finished with the puck. I, I don't know if it's fun, what I'm wanting to see, but I just want to know, Rob, what you think of Strom so far, what you've seen of him. Well, I, I don't see the same as what we saw in Yakupov. Um, I think Strom is a smarter player than Yakupov. Having said that, I haven't seen much offensively at all with Strom. And he's been given opportunities to play with McDavid. He's played with Nugent Hopkins. He's had his own line. Um, he's a guy that was drafted high. There was great potential with him. And I, we just haven't seen it yet. And the Oilers need it. They're, they're desperate for it right now because they need somebody that they can put in a top six role on the wing that can put the puck in the net. 
and he hasn't shown that. So I, someone called said it was a colossal disappointment thus far. I think it's, it's still way too early to say that. But I can say that as an offensive player, when you go to a new team, you want to do something early. You really do because you want to gain confidence in yourself and you want to have the team to have confidence in you. And neither of that has happened with Strom yet, so he needs to be better. Jared on line one. Jared, good to hear from you. Hi, uh, hi Rob. Hi, Reed. I just got a couple quick comments. First of all, I agree with Rob that these goals are going to start to go in for the Oilers, and I think the Oilers are going to have a bit of a run, and I think they're going to work their way through this. But on the other hand, I do think this is the style they're going to be playing. They're going to play the one-goal game, and they're going to get the good goaltending, play tight defensive, and hopefully Connor or Leon Dreisel can bust loose sometime in the third period, or they can get to a three-on-three overtime or win it in a shootout. And I think that's the way they played last year, and that's how they're going to have to play this year. And I think that maybe they had expectations where they thought they had to win games 4 or 5-1, but I think they always played the one-goal game last year. And the other thing is I think that I don't see Peter Shirley making much for moves because you got those two heavy contracts with McDavid and Drysdale. Who are you going to move? What are you, you going to do? I think this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be not much production from the bottom two. And I never thought of that, Rob, when you said that put Leon with um, Connor McDavid, keep that like keeping them together, I always thought that Leon should be uh, as the second line, and then you have, you know, if you have to bump Leon up with McDavid, you have uh, Nugent Hopkins as kind of like a pivot man, and I think that he is becoming more and more important for the Oilers, Nugent Hopkins, as things go forward. But just a one quick question, how do you resolve the wing issue to, to put Leon uh, back as a second line center? Well, you, you go to church a lot and you pray that someone can start oh, to score. Um, I, I, I don't know. They need they need someone to, to break through. They need Strom to score. They need uh, Lucic to find his game five on five and just not on the power play. They need Kajula to be a 15 to 20 goal scorer. They need these things to happen for the Oilers to be able to move dry, settle to center. I do agree with your first point, completely agree that for the Oilers to be a successful hockey team, they're going to be a team that wins 2-1 or 3-2, and every once in a while, McDavid's going to have those special nights where he scores 4 or 5. But this is the way this team is built to play. They, they That's are not, not a bad mentality no, to it's have. A, well, it's, it's playoff hockey, and we saw that last year in the playoffs. Most games are 2-1, 3-2, and if you're capable of doing it in the regular season, you'll be capable of doing that in the playoffs as well. Everybody, thanks for calling. Rob and I always love talking with you. Oilers play tough tonight. It was a pretty exciting game. Excellent goaltending at both ends. The Penguins get the finish, a 2-1 overtime win. Next broadcast, 5.30 face-off show Thursday. Home game against Dallas will start at 7. We have it for you here on 6.30 Chet. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, the studio producer. Get more on the Oilers page on 630Chet.com. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you for listening.